listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering of Southcrest Baptist Church. To learn more about The Venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. So we're still in this series called The Book. We're going to the books of the Bible. And so this morning brings us to uh, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. And we're gonna be strictly, for us in the venue, we're gonna be strictly in the book of Jonah. And I was thinking about Jonah, and a lot of us are familiar with the story from if you grew up in church, or even if you didn't go to church, it's such a popular story, especially in, in an English-speaking culture, or a Western culture is what I mean to say. Um, and so, man, it's, it's familiar, but it's probably been a while for a lot of us. And so as a dad of toddlers, I have access to some incredible resources for the Bible. Uh, the one of them being, one of them being the Rhyme Bible storybook. And it has a great just um, kind of recap of, of the book of Jonah. And so as I was thinking about, I mean, how could I just kind of refresh our, our congregation on the book of Jonah and I got this Ryan Bible, I was like, the best thing that would help us just stick and cling to our Southern Baptist heritage and roots and DNA is to turn it into a rap, right? Like, because all you guys get that. And so I've actually got some guys that are going to come help me. Um, it's good for, for Big Tony and Casey Shimfessel. Yeah. <laughs> just, a, just a little something to kind of get you guys in the spirit this morning. So um, going to get my sunglasses on. Don't mind us. This is very serious, okay, guys? You'll notice how appropriate the shaker that looks like a fish for Jonah in the well. So let's go and get up for our preschool ministry real quick. Yeah, way to go preschool ministry. <laughs> DJ Tony, you wanna hit that beat? <laughs> Y'all go ahead and get that Baptist sway going. Get that Baptist sway going. God said to Jonah, I have a little task. Get up and go to Nineveh and do what I ask. The people there are wicked, so tell them to obey. But Jonah got on board a ship and sailed the other way. Oh, Jonah, you better go to Nineveh. You better go to Nineveh. God sent a windstorm to shake up the boat. The frightened sailors worried that it wouldn't stay afloat. Jonah had been sleeping, but he heard the captain cry. Everybody pray or we all may die. Uh-oh, Jonah, you should have gone to Nineveh. You should have gone to Nineveh. You should have gone to Nineveh. Jonah told the sailors, it's all because of me. I'm sure the wind will stop if you throw me in the sea. They didn't want to do it, but the wind howled and roared, so they picked up Jonah and threw him overboard. Oh, Jonah, you should have gone to Nineveh. You should have gone to Nineveh. When Jonah hit the water, the wind stopped blowing, the boat stopped lurching, and the waves stopped rolling. But God prepared a fish, and as soon as it arrived, it opened up his mouth, and it swallowed him alive. Uh-oh, Jonah, you should have gone to Nineveh. You should have gone to Nineveh. <laughs> this guy. Down went Jonah with a great big swish. He landed at the bottom in the belly of the fish. For three days and three nights, he stayed that way. Then he prayed for help. 
and promise to obey. That's good, Jonah. It's time to go to Nineveh. It's time to go to Nineveh. It's time to go to Nineveh. Jonah was relieved when he saw what God had planned. The fish threw him up and it tossed him on the land. God said to Jonah, I want them to repent. So go preach to Nineveh. And this time Jonah went. That's good, Jonah. I'm glad you went to Nineveh. He finally went to Nineveh. He finally went to Nineveh. <laughs> We're thinking about taking the show on the road. And so just be praying for us, guys. Maybe looking for some new ministers here soon. So. <laughs> uh, you, that may be true no matter what, right? Actually, <laughs> hopefully I keep my job after that. <laughs> uh, hey, we are going to be in the book of Jonah this morning. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, that would be awesome. Now, I was kind of nervous about that. I'm still kind of shaky up here. Like, <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> Jonah. Um, you know, it's interesting. Jonah may be one of the most familiar books to believers, but I want to promise you this book is more challenging and more relevant to Christians, and I would say particularly Christians in America, than you ever imagined as a kid. You know, as a kid, like, there's lots of things that you, you think you get, and then when you get older, you look at it again, you're like, dude, I... I totally missed that, or I, got, I, I missed the seriousness, the weight of that. I think that is certainly true with the book of Jonah. I'm gonna say a quick word of prayer, and we're gonna dive into the book. God, I pray that you would awaken our hearts to what you have for us this morning. Or that you would open our eyes to, to your heart. Or it's such a familiar story, but may we not be numb to it just because we've heard it before. Would you give us fresh eyes to see what you have for us this morning and, and how you want us to change? It's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray, amen. Hey, we're gonna dive right into chapter one, verse one. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because their evil has come up before me. Jonah got up to flee Tarshish from the Lord's Presence. What they used to say on Duck Dynasty, he gone. <laughs> Jonah takes off. Hey, what's funny about verse three? Hey, TJ, I'm getting a little um, like slap back. Thanks. I know you know what to do with that. That's already better. Thanks, dude. What a guy. <laughs> what's funny about Jonah trying to run from the presence of the Lord? You can't. Yeah, you can't run from the presence of the Lord, but still he gets up, he tries to go. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. Why does he want to flee? God tells Jonah, go preach to Nineveh. He runs away, we're familiar with that part. Why does he run away? Nineveh was an enemy of Israel. They, the Israelites hated the Assyrians. So Nineveh was one of the major cities, one of the, uh, you could call it a capital, but let's put it this way, one of the major cities of Assyria. And the Israelites hated the Assyrians because they were known for brutality and terrorism. And everything about the Ninevites, the Assyrians, was in contradiction to who the Israelites were as a people. So they had different morality, they had different politics, they had different religion, they had different foods, they had different entertainment. So Jonah's like, I ain't going there. 
it'd be kind of like, like think about it, this, no one, um, if someone is going on a vacation or maybe a big like you know, 25 year anniversary for their marriage, they never say like, you know what, we're really considering Iraq, you know? It just seems, <laughs> or they don't, you don't say, you know, we're thinking about North Korea, that would be so great. Or really some of the tribal regions about Afghanistan, it's such a nice area. Like, no one says that. That's kind of Jonah's response. God, you can forget it, I'm not going to Nineveh. I hate them, they're brutal people, nothing about them has anything in common with who I am as an Israelite. Verse four, but the Lord grew through a great wind onto the sea and such a great storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. The sailors were afraid and each cried out to his God. They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the vessel and had stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. How in the world is this joker sleeping? The boat is literally beginning to break apart under the the pressure and the violence of the wind and the waves tossing this boat back and forth. They're trying to throw uh, cargo over to lighten the load so it can handle the waves better. And this dude is sleeping in the bottom of the boat. (laughs) How in the world is he sleeping? Verse six, the captain approached him and said, what are you doing? Sound asleep, get up, call to your God and maybe this God will consider us and we won't perish. Come on, the sailors said to each other, let's cast lots. This was an ancient way of trying to seek an answer or direction from divinity. So just for our, our day and age, think of it as like uh, tossing some dice, like, you know, like the fuzzy dice hanging on the rearview mirror, maybe not that, but just tossing some dice and trying to figure out what's going on here. They're seeking some direction from a God, one of the gods, at least they think they are. They say, then we'll know who is to blame for this trouble we're in. So they cast lots and the lot singled out Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us who is to blame for this trouble we're in. What is your business and where are you from? What is your country and what people are you from? He answered them, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of the heavens who made the sea and the dry land. It's interesting Jonah, he's got good theology. I I worship the living God. He made the sea and the dry land. But Jonah's theology and his behavior are not really matching up here, right? (laughs) Does that ever happen with us? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Verse 10. Then the men were seized by a great fear and said to him, what have you done? (laughs) The men knew he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he told them. So they said to him, what should we do to you so that the sea will calm down for us? For the sea was getting worse and worse. He answered them, "Ah, pick me up, throw me into the sea so that it will calm down for you. For I know that I'm to blame for this great storm that is against you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they couldn't because the sea was raging against them more and more. Like, what? Seems like an interesting response from Jonah. At this point, it seems like he doesn't even care. Like, Jonah, what should we do? If you're the one to blame for this, what should we do so that we'll be okay? Ah, pick me up, throw me in the sea. Like, what person in their right mind that wants to live would say, ah, just throw me in the raging ocean? (laughs) What's going on with this guy? They, says they don't do it, they, they rode back to dry land, but it just kept getting worse and worse. So verse 14, they called out to the Lord, 
please, Lord, don't let us perish because of this man's life and don't charge us with innocent blood. For you, Lord, have done just as you pleased. Then they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea. Just like that, the sea stopped its raging. The men were seized by great fear of the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Think about this. These were pagan sailors, pagan meaning they did not know the living God of the Bible that Jonah, at least that he knew and did know as a prophet, he's running from the Lord. They're over here offering sacrifices and, and gratefulness to the Lord. Something seems backwards here, right? Seems like they have more, a little more faith and more relationship with God than Jonah does. Something doesn't seem right. Verse 17, you all, you all familiar with this part? The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. You're like, I thought it was Jonah in the well. Jonah in the well, Jonah in the fish, same thing, right? I mean, not really, but close enough. Just as a side note, how crazy would it be to be swallowed by a big old fish? <laughs> like, that would be incredibly insane. First, to be tossed into the ocean and think you're gonna drown there and then know actually a massive fish well is swallowing you. Now, if you're like, man, is that actually true? I don't know. So one thing, Jesus, see in the the gospels, spoke about Jonah revealing, in in a way that revealed that Jesus believed Jonah to be a real man, a real person that actually experienced this. So if we're gonna hold the integrity of Jesus then we have to believe that Jonah in the well is real. Does that make sense? Also, if we believe that Jesus, that God raised Jesus from the dead, that he was literally straight up completely dead and then three days later rose again, if he can do that, I think a well can swallow a dude, right? Like if God created the heavens and the earth, if he is the Lord over everything, I think he can handle a, a, a fish swallowing a man, right? Like totally possible if you believe in the God of the Bible. It was interesting, I don't know if you guys are this way, but have you ever noticed? Actually, I know you're this way. (laughs) Have you ever noticed that we can often as humans act like we don't really need God, we're kind of good on our own, maybe ignore him, but as soon as we get in the pinch or as soon as things don't go our way or as if you're Jonah, as soon as you get swallowed by a well, all of a sudden you really, really need God. You ever notice that all of a sudden praying, talking to God seems really, really important? That's exactly what happened with Jonah. Chapter two, it says, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress and he answered me. I cried out for help from deep inside Sheol, the the place of the dead. You heard my voice when you threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas. The current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me. And I said, I've been banished from your sight. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. The water engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. (laughs) That's kind of funny. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth's gate shut behind me forever. Then you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you to your holy temple. Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah 
onto dry land. Yuck. <laughs> this is not a trick question. You can totally look at the Bible. It's not cheating. What does that prayer, what does Jonah's prayer reveal about his heart? And I'll, I'll help push you the right direction. Is he repentant or just feels like he got caught and want God to help him out? Wants God to help him out. Which one? Look at your Bible if you're not sure. I'm not gonna tell you, don't look at me. I'm just the preacher. Did Jonah actually repent? No. Like, maybe I'm, I'm missing there. He's talking about worship and things, but you're familiar with this probably. So I'm, I'm trying to come stand where the light, am I in the light right here? Is that better? There we go. <laughs> Think about Psalm 51 after David had sinned with Bathsheba. You know what that, you know what that Psalm sounds like, that prayer sounds like, right? Deliver me, forgive me, wash me clean, give me a clean heart. Is that what this prayer sounds like? No. Just God help me, I'm I'm in a mess. I got seaweed on my head. (laughs) I'm in a belly of a fish. Could you get me out of here? I I don't think, I mean, it's good that Jonah's praying, but I don't think he's actually repenting of anything. He just wants God to get him out of a situation. Is it wrong to ask God to get you out of a situation? Not at all. But it is wrong, or it's not enough, if your heart is in sin, right? If you're straight up disobeying, it's not like, oh, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. No, straight up running away from God and didn't even repent, just wants help getting out of the pickle he's in. So the fish swallowing Jonah and then vomiting him up on dry ground is less about that God delivered Jonah and more about God being determined that Jonah is gonna do what he has for him to do. Tracking with that? He has a role for Jonah. Whether Jonah likes it or not, he's gonna carry it out. Verse, or excuse me, chapter three. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. All right, Bubba, let's try this again. (laughs) Get up, go to the great, the big city of Nineveh, and preach the message that I tell you. Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. All right, so that's a step in the right direction, (laughs) quite literally. Now Nineveh was an extremely big, excuse me, great, which means means big, city, a three-day walk. Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, in 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. Now we're not positive, but it would appear that that was his message. Can you imagine if that was my sermon? Some of y'all are like, that'd be a good short sermon. I like that. <laughs> Could you imagine me just coming up on a Sunday morning and be like, in 40 days, Lubbock will be demolished. And then going sitting down in my chair, <laughs> y'all be like, I think, I think Brandon's on something right now. <laughs> that was the sermon. But look what happened. Verse five. Then the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. 
when word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. It's a sign of repentance. Then he issued a decree in Nineveh. By order of the king and his nobles, no person or animal, herd or flock is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both people and animals must be covered with sackcloth and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Notice, not to the gods, not to a bunch of gods, no, to the God, the God of the Bible, the God of Jonah. Each must turn from his evil ways and from his wrongdoing. And who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. That's amazing. A pagan, the pagan king of Assyria, of Nineveh, says, we're going to have a huge fast. We're going to repent and turn. And just maybe, just maybe, God will relent. Maybe he won't destroy us. This, this is like revival breaking out. Do you see that? This is, this is amazing. Just, like, just for maybe sake of argument, this would be like if, uh, I can't think of his name right now, but if the president, the leader of North Korea all of a sudden is like, you know what, all of North Korea, all of my leaders who I've corrupted, we're gonna repent and we're gonna turn to the living God. We would take note of that, wouldn't we? <laughs> This, this is amazing. And even, even more amazing, verse 10, God saw their actions, that they had turned from their evil ways, so God relented from the disaster and he, that he had threatened them with, and he did not do it. So this is even better. Not only did the people repent, God says, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna forgive you. I, I'm not gonna bring this disaster, this judgment, this punishment. I'm gonna relent and show you grace and mercy. Did the people deserve grace and mercy? No, right? They were still evil and wicked. We talked about that last week. Evil, wicked, sinful people. But God, in his mercy, in his grace, when he saw their repentance, says, I'm gonna let up. I'm not gonna bring disaster. That is incredible. It's amazing. Truly amazing. You, I mean, as a prophet, like as a, I mean, say it this way, as a pastor, like, man, how cool to think about just a, not just like a few people or a congregation, but a city turning to God and God bringing redemption and bestowing his grace and mercy. Man, as a pastor, I would be so pumped up. A lot of you would be pumped up, wouldn't you? Be excited about that. That's why when we have a, a testimony like from Disciple Now and we had four students come to Christ, we're like, yeah, right? So you gotta believe that Jonah's gotta be stoked, like, uh, meaning like he's super pumped, right? Y'all know what stoked means. <laughs> like he's beside himself, right? Chapter four. Here it is. We're going to see how excited he was. Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. What? <laughs> I mean, last time I checked, my hope when I proclaim God's word is that people respond. And when people respond, I get excited. <laughs> I just can't hide it. <laughs> Jonah prophet of God, <clears throat> proclaims God's word. People respond. God shows mercy and grace, and he is angry. He's furious. So not just like, oh man, he's upset. No, he is ticked off. <laughs> Insert other words if that helps you. He's mad. He prayed to the Lord, please Lord, isn't this what I said while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled Tarsh toward Tarshish in the first place. 
I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. And now, Lord, take my life from me. For it's better for me to die than to live. Jonah is mad about God being gracious and compassionate. That seems psycho. (laughs) But it's logical when you think about the problem with Jonah. What does his response reveal? He hated the people of Nineveh. He hated them. What he's saying in effect, God, I would rather die than experience you give grace and mercy to these people. Just kill me. If you're gonna be kind to them, God, would you just kill me? That's why I really do believe back in chapter one when Jonah's asleep in the bottom of the boat, I think he's asleep because he, don't, he doesn't care at that point. I think he knew God was, was coming after him And he's like, man, I don't care if we die in the ocean. I would rather die than these people see the grace of God. And that's why later in chapter one, he says, throw me overboard. Because he would rather die than the people of Nineveh repent and experience the grace of God. He hated those people. Those people. God, you're going to save those people? Nah, I'm out, Lord. I'm out. (laughs) Verse four, the Lord asked, is it, is it right for you to be angry? Man, the Lord's being really compassionate here. Like, or really patient is probably the better word. Jonah's furious with God. And God just asked him a question. Is it, is it appropriate? Is it right that you're so angry about this? You know, often, I'll say it this way. It's, it's what's so mind-boggling about Jonah's response is that Jonah, 100% safe, fair to say, assume that he had, he had experienced the grace of God, but did not want these other, those people to experience the grace of God. See, often we're all about the grace of God, but we're not so big on the glory of God, right? I want the grace, I want the mercy and love, but if other people are gonna if it requires other people receiving the grace of God so that God can be glorified by every tribe, tongue, and nation, then nah, I'm not so big about the glory of God. <laughs> We're not through yet, but hopefully you're already seeing Jonah is in the Bible because we're a lot like Jonah. <laughs> Lord asked him, is it right for you to be angry? In verse five, Jonah left the city and found a place east of it. He made himself a shelter there and sat in its shade to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God appointed a plant and it grew over Jonah to provide shade for his head to rescue him from his trouble. Jonah was greatly pleased with the plant. It's kind of funny. Plant grows up. That's a good plant. I like that plant. When dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant and it withered. (laughs) As the sun was rising, God appointed a scorching east wind. The sun beat down on Jonah's head 
so much that he almost fainted and he wanted to die. He said, it's better for me to live than, or excuse me, it's better for me to die than to live. (laughs) Then God asked Jonah, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Yes, it's right, he replied. I'm angry enough to die. Bro. (laughs) Is it right for you to be mad about this plant? Yes, God. So angry, I would rather die. You know, what you get mad about often reveals what you care about, right? Who does Jonah care about? Himself. God, that plant was providing me some shade and I like sitting in the shade and you took it away. The Lord said, you cared about the plant which you did not labor over and did not grow. It appeared in a night and it perished in a night. So may I not care about the great city of Nineveh? Great again as in massive which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right and their left as well as many animals? If I'm right, I think it's the only book that ends with a question. God asked Jonah, Jonah, you cared about a little plant that you had nothing to do with. It was just in my grace I gave you this plant. (laughs) You're angry about it. Jonah, can I not care about 120,000 people who don't know their right from their left, which was a Hebrew idiom way of saying, just to cut to the chase, they don't know me. They've not been taught like you, Jonah, about the Lord and, and taught scripture. They don't have a clue who I am and I, in my mercy, sent you to tell them about me so they could repent and turn to me. Can I not care for them, Jonah? The people that I created in my own image, and have a plan for them? Can I not care for them, Jonah? What does Jonah teach us? That God cares about every single person. God cares about every single person. For God so loved the United States of America that he gave his only son. (laughs) For God so loved fill in the blank. No, the only right answer is for God so loved the world. He loves everybody. He loves those people. (laughs) I love the way Ray Ortland kind of paraphrases the question at the end that God gives to Jonah. He says, God asked Jonah, Jonah, sounds like you want me to be like you, Jonah, but maybe, just maybe, Jonah, you should be a little more like me. What the book of Jonah does so well is it beautifully sets up this contrast between our heart and the heart of God. That we are me-centered and tend to care about people that are like us. God cares about every single person and wants every single person person to hear the good news of Jesus. Yeah, but you don't know what they've done. You don't know how messed up they are. You don't know how sinful they are. And I would remind you, but for the grace of God, there go you and I. (laughs) All of us are broken and sinful apart from the goodness and grace of Jesus in and through our lives. 
So who are we to try to decide who gets to hear the gospel, who gets to be shown the love and the care of God and who doesn't? See, Jonah, it's like Jonah tried to put God in this box of God, you're gonna do what I wanna do and I get to decide who gets to hear about grace and mercy. I get to decide who actually is, de is deserving of your love. And God says, no, 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 Jonah, you forgot. You're not God. I am and I care about every single person. So much that he sent his own son, his only son to die on the cross, amen? He loves people. <laughs> and we don't get to decide to decide who he cares for, who he loves. He does. I love the king's question in chapter three, verse nine, when he's calling the people to repent, to turn from their sin. In verse nine, he says, who knows? God may turn and relent. Who knows? May God turn our who cares into who knows. What I mean by that is, may God turn our who cares about those people to who knows what God may do in their life. Y'all tracking with that? May God turn our who cares into who knows. May God turn our who cares about the Democrats or the Republicans into a who knows what God may do if we pray for whoever it may be. Am I getting too close to home? I don't know. Who cares about that daggum new president? Who knows what God may do if we pray for him? Anybody? Man, who knows what God, or sorry, who cares what happens to my boss? Why would I share the gospel with him? Why would I show the grace and love of God to him? Because he's a stinking jerk. What if we turn that who cares into who knows what God might do in the life of my boss if I began to show the love of Jesus to him or her? May God turn our who cares into a who knows what God could do. May God turn our who cares about the riffraff that moved in down the street and is messing up the neighborhood into who knows what God may do if we went and showed the love of Jesus to them and shared the gospel with them. And we ask who knows what could happen because we do know what could happen. That our God, just like Jonah knew, is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love who relents from sending disaster. Praise God, we know that when we say, who cares about the people overseas and say, you know what, who knows what God may do? We know that when we go, he will change lives in his grace and mercy and transform cultures and transform nations because he is a God who cares and he is a God who changes. God, would you turn our who cares into who knows what God may do? The book of Jonah leads us to repentance, to ask God to give us the heart of God to care for people, to see people as he sees them. We could point and make fun of Jonah, but the Bible has the book of Jonah because we're like Jonah all too often. We're gonna enter into a time of response. I'm gonna ask the worship team to, to come on up. I don't want you to do something that is inauthentic. I think sometimes God calls us to, to respond, to move in faith that he'll change our hearts. Meaning, so even if you don't feel like it yet, to step out trusting that, that 
You're just saying, God, would you do this work in my life? As Psalm 51 says, would you create in me a new heart? So talking to believers for a moment, I'm gonna ask, we're not there yet, but when we get there in a moment and we begin to sing, I'm gonna ask if you feel so led, would you maybe even at your chair or come down to this altar, if you wanna call it an altar, I think it's called an altar, works for me. And first, may we repent, me included, of not loving people and caring for people like God does. And then may we as believers ask God to give us his heart for every single person, for every single nation, for those people. (laughs) God, would you forgive me? Would you change my heart? Would you give me your heart so that I would go and share the gospel and tell other people about your goodness, your love? Because you are a God who is compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and patient. So in a moment, believers, just to make sure I'm clear, when we begin to sing, I'm gonna ask you to make that your prayer. If you don't feel led to do that, don't do that. Again, maybe that's at your chair, maybe that's on your knees at your chair, maybe that's down front. May God change our hearts. I can't change your heart, but God can. Some of you this morning, you, you don't know Christ because you, you've got that kind of age-old human problem of like, well, I'm too broken, I'm too messed up, like, God wouldn't care for me. And a big part of the message of Jonah is that God cares for everyone, no matter how sinful, broken you are. The Ninevites often would, uh, what's the right, fillet their victims of war alive. So skin people alive just to be brutal, just to be mean, just to be hateful. And God still wanted to offer them forgiveness. I don't care how broken, how sinful, how messed up you are. Jesus died for you and offers forgiveness. If you'll just simply accept it and turn to him. Say, Jesus, would you be my savior, my Lord? Myself and Tony, and I'm gonna ask Casey in a second also, are gonna be down front. And if maybe you just want, maybe you're a believer and you would like some prayer for for God to change your heart, we'd love to pray with you. Or maybe you don't know Christ this morning and you would say, man, I'm ready to, sounds like he loves me. He's willing to forgive me and change me and create in me a clean heart. The answer is yes. We'd love to pray with you. love to talk with you about surrendering to Christ and trusting him. Maybe you're online this morning and you're not in the room. You can click that connect button or you can shoot us a message and we would love to talk with you about what it means to know Christ. God, would you turn our who cares into who knows? Lord, give us boldness to respond. Would you make our hearts like yours? Would y'all stand up and respond as God leads you as we sing this song? If you are encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcast. The goal of the venue is to help you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus by being relational, helpful, hopeful, and real. Thanks again for listening to the Venue Podcast.